everyone and welcome to Hawk Talk, an HGA podcast. This is episode 10, The Cost of Doing Business. I'm Alex Jenkins, your host, and today I'm joined by three very special guests and I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves. Good afternoon. My name's Mark Boyce. I'm with Great Annual Savings Group. We're a cost reduction consultancy. Um, very proud to be partners of the HTA, um, supporting the members. And uh, I'm looking forward to this discussion. Thank you, Mark. My name is Guy Topping. I'm the managing director of the Barton Grange Group. Um, we have Barton Grange Garden Centre, the Flower Bowl Entertainment Centre, uh, Garden Centre Plants, uh, which is a wholesale nursery. Um, I've been in the business for 32 years now, um, but very much grew up within the business, uh, grew up on the site of Barton Grange Garden Centre. So been working there since I was about four years old. I'm Jennifer Feasy, um, and I'm really pleased to be here on this podcast because I've been here at HGA for just six weeks, but I have been working on the cost of doing business uh, issue at another trade body for, uh, gosh, many more years uh, than uh, that I've been here so far. So, um, yeah, I hope really looking forward to hearing the discussion today. Fantastic. Thank you all very much. And thank you again for agreeing to be with us today. So let's just kick off with what it, what do we mean when we talk about the cost of doing business? Shall I come in on, on this one? Um, thank you. This one, Alex, because I think for a cost of doing business, I think the, the point about the cost of doing business is it's nothing, it's not a new term that is uh, that is new, but what is new uh, most recently has been the mounting cost of doing business and what we're hearing from companies across the board. And actually this is very much reflected and seeing in the cost of living crisis as well is for the first time we've seen energy costs really rising even higher than they've ever been. And the UK has never had the most competitive uh, energy costs but really really hitting uh businesses um uh where it hurts in terms of actually looking this is on a, a monthly basis these price increasing also around labor and skills and other input costs so this is really ramped up um over not just recent weeks months but actually in the last few years and that's really what i uh, feel like the cost of doing business is uh, that's a really good point about the the energy side um you know clearly as one of the partners um, we provide energy contracts and we're offering, we try and educate uh, the members towards buying trends. Um, as I said on the intro, we're a cost reduction consultancy and our commitment to the HTA, as well as all of our customers, is to look at cost reductions across the board and probably no better time than now. Everyone is looking to try and cut their cloth accordingly. Um, without losing jobs, you know, which therefore puts further strain on other staff. Um, you've got the cost rising for um, transportation, import, export, petrol, energy, etc. So it's a real torrid time um, for any business at this point in time. So with regards to energy, um, you're absolutely correct. It's, a, it's an historic time for energy. It's the highest the prices have ever been. Um, what people forget is that there was a, a five to 10 year uh, purple patch with energy up until the back end of 2020. Um, and now we're sort of seeing the, the way that the energy costs are starting to increase. And it hasn't hit its peak yet, I hasten to add. So what we look to do with the members when they contact us or we contact them is try to educate on the buying trends and how energy itself being well, at the moment, anything between 80 pence and a pound for electricity and 20 to 25 pence for gas, when people have been used to 
tens to 15s to 20 pence. It's, an, it's a significant increase on their costs. So how can you reduce your costs? You can reduce it by reducing your consumption. That's by putting the likes of solar, wind, hydro. Um, you've got a partner with the HTE, Ideal Lights. They do LED lighting. That's another aspect that drives down the cost of, uh, of energy consumption. And then you've got contract management for waste, water, and all of the other services. So we really look to encourage um, members to look early at their contracts. Don't wait for renewals. Um, we can provide energy prices and negotiate them up to two years before the energy contract is due to expire. And very few businesses know that. Why? Because you can buy when it's right for you and not when it's right for the energy supplier. So we do try to educate to um, allow businesses to understand when they can buy, what the right time is, and offer best advice wherever possible. Guy, from your point of view, what is this current climate? How is it affecting the business? What, what are you seeing the biggest impact? It's across the board, obviously. And as Mark said, the utilities are, are horrendous increases. But the, the biggest cost to any business, um, which hasn't been mentioned yet, is actually wages. Um, and wages are going to start going up horribly as well. I, I don't think the government have uh, agreed what the minimum wage increase is going to be yet for next year. But we, we gave all our staff a 10% increase this year to sort of try and get ahead of this. We could see it, see it coming. But, you know, we're still losing staff and, and um, people being offered better wages elsewhere. So it's, it's a very steep climb in, in wages in, in our sector and probably every sector. So um, I think wages are probably going to put even more pressure on businesses than the, the utility costs are, to be quite honest. Because obviously it's not just wages. We've, we've had a problem within the industry for a long time with recruitment and retention. And obviously this is just adding to that problem. What, apart from support from government and increasing wages, is there anything else we can do to, to um, help counteract that? Only the, the usual things. Obviously being a good employer is helpful. Offering sensible hours, good perks. You know, but the, at the end of the day, we've always felt employees look at the salary first and foremost, and it almost doesn't matter what you add on top of that. Uh, people are very driven by a headline salary. So I think we've all got to remain competitive. We've all got to be prepared to put our wages up. Um, and somehow we've got to find a way to absorb that cost. I think it's really interesting thinking about sort of labour and skills from from your perspective, Guy, but also from obviously all of the growers as well who are seeing the shortages in seasonal labour. And that has means that they're having to pay more for for that type of labour. So I think across the board, we're seeing uh, we're seeing pressures. And as you say, this is definitely an acute cost. But then also to think of it on the the flip side, actually, from a consumer perspective, actually, uh, with people, if they're not necessarily seeing their wages increase, what does this mean for consumer confidence and spending, uh, perhaps in in uh, in your centres or that uh, from the other side of the the, the fence? Actually, uh, I think across the board in the economy, we'll certainly see wages. Uh, we'll see uh, certain hikes, except potentially in the sort of uh, in the public sector. Um, because the government needs people to spend some more money as well, I think is certainly um, is certainly on the cards. Yeah, well, I think traditionally garden centres have actually uh, flourished during a recession, and I think that will 
be true again in the next couple of years. When times get hard like this, people tend to cut back on um, maybe renewing the car, going on a foreign holiday, buying a conservatory, whatever it might be. But actually a trip to the local garden centre at £25 plus a stop in the coffee shop with maybe another 10, 12, 15 pounds isn't really the sort of expenditure you cut back on. And actually, if you're going on less foreign holidays and maybe cutting back on other large purchases, you know, a trip to the garden centre is something quite nice to cheer you up. And why not buy a few Christmas decorations or house plants as well to brighten up the home? So I'm quite confident for the next couple of years on the, the sales front. I think we'll probably do do very well. We're already seeing that with Christmas sales are really uh, running very nicely at the moment. And I think, you know, that we'll be all right. But I think the costs are the, the thing to try and keep a, a lid on. And, um, you know, we, we've had advice from various people about different ways to save costs and you know there are lots of things you can do and um, we're also looking at more solar panel we've already got 1600 panels on our roof but we're, yeah. we're looking to increase that and I think everyone will be, be looking at uh, more green technology trying to cut the bills and in some ways you know we might all come out of it much stronger having done that um, on our nursery side, we're looking at um, more robots to do some of the work. I think maybe, you know, this might be a bit of a kick up the backside. The industry needs to start embracing some of the modern technologies to actually save on labour costs in the long term. You know, I'm, I'm very optimistic that um, the, the trade will come out of this very well. It's a great outlook. Jennifer, from your perspective, you know, Guy mentioned there that the industry historically has done well during recession. How do you think we are? as an industry compared to other industries, how do you think we're set up for this particular cost of living crisis? I, I think what's potentially slightly different about this cost of living crisis is there is quite a lot of unpredictability about it. And I might I would say that, wouldn't I, because I work in the public affairs and policy <laughs> space. So there's an awful lot of change and churn uh, within uh, within government um, at the moment, not least. Uh, is there? Yeah, <laughs> not, not, least, not least today. But I think in terms of the what guys shared there, I think obviously that is a really uh, a really positive look at how things are, uh, at what things might be for our sector. I think um, the latest HGA market updates are showing actually that we've seen a bit of a dip in footfall. So actually over the tail end of the summer, but often there's things like the weather can make a big difference to, to people. And so you should never look at it as sort of month by month in isolation, but look at it over the, the sort of longer term trends. And I think there is, whilst obviously consumer confidence is uh, is not so uh, is not so high um, across the board, but on the, the counter side of that, employment uh, records are, you know, they're at record high, you know, unemployment is at a record low. So actually there's lots of opportunities. I don't want to use the term green shoots, but actually <laughs> there, can, there can always be green shoots there. I think what's really interesting about what Guy's been talking about there about the investment that he's made um, in solar panels and other technologies like automation actually and this is where I think from an HTA perspective and sorry Alex go away from your question a bit about what we can do is make sure that we articulate to government that there is a huge amount of opportunity and will within the industry to make those investments for a greener future for uh, automation uh, productivity and efficiency but we can't just do those with uh, with you know with no no support whatsoever so I, I don't know Guy if you've managed to access any of the um, annual investment allowances or what was known as the super deduction at the time which gives some 
relief around some of these um, these green uh, investments um, and having some certainty in the long term and what capital allowances and investment allowances might look like is something that's really important to make those investment decisions. They're not made for today, uh, just, you know, on an ad hoc basis. They're made for the long term, those investments. So being able to do that from a business and planning perspective is really important. So I think some certainty is what is needed, even if that certainty does show that we're going to have, you know, significantly tough times for a while. And I think we are, as, as Mark said, the energy costs, are, you know, they haven't seen their, their peak yet. We know there's impacts around um, Ukraine uh, on that on logistics costs, on on energy costs, and everything. So I think there's a lot of uncertainty. So I think that's potentially the risk. So I think no sector is uh, is sheltered completely from uncertainty, and, and we must never forget that. One one of the things that that I'm glad you mentioned about the super deduction because um, all of the members that I make contact with, I send out a one sheet um, with a link to a government site. And a lot of that's about capital investment. Uh, and that could even be, funny enough, a ladder. That surprised me. But your solar panels, EV chargers, you know, you talk about footfall. The government are pushing to make everyone green and using car, uh, electric vehicles, etc. Um, the government have got subsidies towards the in installation of EV charging. Certainly increasing footfall. That's um, a plus side potentially for the likes of electric vehicle charging. And, and Guy, to have 1,600 solar panels, is you certainly want to get that claim in for the super <laughs> deduction. But it's also looking at other renewables, such as roof-mounted turbines or pole-mounted. A lot of the local authorities, I mean, our specialists help uh, members or businesses to go through the planning stages, etc., but we're finding a lot less resistance now from local authorities for planning permission for renewables because the conversation tends to be, yes, but if I don't reduce my bills, I might not have a business to carry on with. Therefore, the impact to me is I need to put this in to reduce my overheads. And that's exactly um, how people are getting away with um, putting the renewables on. But as I said, wind is something. If you're using pump irrigation, for instance, I spoke to uh, one of the members at the conference and they said, well, we use a pump to pump the water around the irrigation system. We said, well, why don't you look at putting small hydro wheels around there and that would look at certainly generating enough to cover the pump and maybe some of the electric lights as well for instance you both mentioned about the investment of renewable energy with the, the the uncertain times and not really knowing what's going to happen so do you think people are reluctant at the moment to make that investment and actually we should be doing more to encourage that now even if it seems quite scary to do so um you're absolutely right Alex, about the investment, um, a supply and fit, you have to up, uh, pay up front. But there are there are schemes which are uh, the PPA scheme, for instance, which is a power purchase agreement. You can get solar panels put in for free. Um, you don't own the solar panels. Your roofs are insured throughout the contract term. It's underwritten by the likes of Aviva. But in effect, you're not you don't get the whole benefit of the of the energy that's generated because a part of the ppa agreement is to pass some of the energy back to the grid and you can purchase the other energy roughly 50 percent, around 50 percent, yourselves at a far greatly reduced rate so it could be anything between 12 and 16 pence well if we were talking in 2020 energy contracts were around 14 or 16 pence but now we're talking anything from, depending on the term, your meter type, uh, what type of contract you're looking for, 
it's anything between 60 uh, pence and a pound. So if you're buying back 20% of your consumption at 16 pence, your quid's in. So if you can get a scheme where you can put solar in for free, which as I say is the PPA, um, there is a threshold of around 80,000 to 100,000 units of energy per year. It's called a, a, an annual consumption, an AQ or an EAC, um, an uh, estimated annual consumption. But our specialists have, have agreed that with the HTA members, if they're smaller and they don't meet the criteria, they will put them together as a buying group and they will all benefit from gaining solar on the free scheme. It will be split accordingly for maintenance, et cetera. So it's a one cost. So there are schemes out there to get it for free. And there's the, the other support. There is some grants, but it's regional. It's not government across the, the UK. Mm -hmm. so I hope that gives a little bit of insight that your mem the one thing members have got, as Guy knows, you've got roofs and you've got land. It's whether they're facing the right way. But if the if the solar is for free, what does it matter if you have it on the south facing and the north facing? You're still going to get a yield, maybe just not as much off one. But if you're not paying for it, you can still benefit. Whereas before, if you were paying for it yourself, you want to maximize the return of investment. Likewise, the ROI now is it used to be between three and five years or maybe even longer because of the price of energy. Now it's nine months to two years, the return of investment. And again, no obligation, no cost. And the thing is, for any members that are considering it, do the exercise, because the worst case is you've got a budget figure to work with. The best case, you can start reducing your cost. Therefore, you start protecting your business. I think a lot of people, you know, who are very heads down in their business and haven't really got time to get out and look at what other people are doing, struggle with new things like this. And they'll always be very suspicious of, you know, what's going to happen, what's in it for the people supplying it, you know, finding a, a reliable company is not easy. And I, I think that's somewhere where the HDA can probably play quite a role in helping people um, get in touch with other members who've already done the various things um, and learn from them. But, you know, it, it is a no brainer now. It's just, a lot of people like they say if you're up to your arse in alligators it's hard to remember that your objective is draining the swamp um, <laughs> uh, I think some people will be in that position now and it's very hard to look at um, any investment or you know even you know it's all right saying you can get these things for free but it's um, having the confidence to do that know that you're not being stitched up by somebody knowing that you're going with the right company it's not easy and if you if you are you know, hands-on, sometimes it's not easy. So maybe some support from the HDA can help people with that. We've actually um, got, got a website now, if I may do this, so perfectly set up plug there guy thank you so uh to we've got a here to help uh page uh or here to help pages on the hta website and you'll find um mark's uh, organization great annual savings there as well as a range of other preferred partners uh, giving kind of an indication of different uh, and quite accessible for different people um different uh routes to try and make some of those savings but also when i was uh when i was thinking about the question um before we started recording i was thinking about actually there's some things that some members might not be aware 
aware of. So we've done some how-to guides around sustainability and what a sustainability plan might look like for your business. And obviously that encompasses all different aspects of, uh, of sustainability, but also things that, such as about looking at crime within your businesses and how you can reduce that opportunistic crime. So lots of different things that could be cost savings uh, for people, but also, uh, guys, you mentioned there, things like our business improvement um, schemes where you can get to meet other businesses who are in similar spaces, often if it's smaller businesses, those uh, those just one conversation that might be 10 minutes, you can get a huge amount of value. Um, and then the skills and e-learning space that we have actually for some of those going thinking back earlier, what we talked about recruitment and retention, we've got some great learning and development um, e-learning uh, modules and all sorts of things that can help people where their companies might not be so uh, so large or so well set up to to have the time to uh, pursue things, but it's it's all there and ready for them. And and I also must plug, obviously, the work that we do in the policy and public affairs team, because every little bit of information that we hear from these discussions or conversations with members that we can then articulate and, and advocate to government is absolutely invaluable to really communicate where those, those here and now issues are for people. Um, you mentioned there, Guy, uh, draining a swamp. I won't use the other words you mentioned, but draining a swamp, but actually you, may, you reminded me of one thing that's been added to the kind of cost of doing business this year and that is the drought that we've had over the summer uh, for many companies who are uh, businesses who have been really successful in using their own reservoirs capturing rainwater doing other sort of water saving mechanisms and, and activities um, I think this one this summer with the drought has meant they've had to tap into to getting um, mains water which is obviously really expensive and a sort of a, a red flag and one that we're going to be trying to work um, with members on is really to make them aware that this the likelihood of us seeing reservoirs across the UK really building up um, back to the levels they were into 2023 is unlikely so it's going to be another tough year ahead uh, in terms of water levels too so that's just one to 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 raise there's an area jennifer that because uh, we we provide water uh, contracts and if you've not looked at your water contracts you absolutely need to because yeah. there are savings now that there's been deregulation but also you can do an audit up to i believe it's six years on surface drainage so that's another area that you might be able to get rebates back from your water suppliers i think a big word that's come out of that is confidence isn't it you know it's this a lot of this is about the consumers having confidence the businesses having confidence that they're doing the right thing that they can implement these changes confidently with without having negative impact and being confident on the information and, and things that they're receiving and obviously that is where the HCA really hope to come in and, and help provide that confidence for our members we talked earlier briefly about the fact that a lot has changed within government recently but I mean a lot has been going on over the last couple of years anyway ahead of this kind of financial crisis with um, EU exit, with changes to imports, with changes to regulations. There's a lot of information. There's been a lot of change. So Jennifer, where do you see that confidence coming from? What do you think that our, our members really need so that they feel like they're getting all the information? Well, I think, Alex, you've mentioned a number of issues there. And the truth is, for a lot of those issues, we're still living and working through them. So EU exit, as you mentioned there, we're still working through what the future of um, imports might look like and future border checks. So, I mean, what we can do and what we do do at the HTA is provide you with as much certainty around the best information that we've got at the moment. And um, we provide that to members um, as best we can. But the, the truth is that there is still an awful lot of uncertainty, delays 
opportunities and challenges um, uh, challenges out there. But really, the best we can do is provide that information and communicate to our members. And and we are endeavouring to do that. But also, we ask our members to raise with us as well, where they come across new issues, because we're still learning on many of these areas. But ultimately, people need certainty. And, and that's what we always uh, we always strive for. And that isn't certainty for just one day or just one week. That's certainty over a longer term period. Guy, if I can go back to you, what would you think would give you that confidence or things you'd like to see government implement you think would help businesses or in particular your business? I must admit, I'm not really a big one for leaning on the government. I'm very much one for feeling that <laughs> businesses need to stand on their own two feet. It's more about looking at what we can do better and supporting our, our own business by being as efficient and doing it as well as we can. The, the government, for me, whatever they do, with regards to, and I'm, I'm talking about the energy side at the moment, whatever they do with regards to policies or trying to protect businesses on energy, they always leave the back door open for the suppliers to do something else, to, to make the charges um, uh, applicable elsewhere. So the first instance was April 21, when they brought in targeted capacity review, which is TCR charges for those with um, half hourly meters. It was a, a great idea. Um, it was to try and get capacity back into the network because uh, one of the biggest problems in the UK that we're suffering with is supply versus demand. We don't generate enough energy for the, for the business and residential uh, consumers. So they tried to get more capacity back in so they could, uh, re- they could encourage more businesses to grow, et cetera. Um, and they put levies on the charges. So um, the the uh, suppliers were only allowed to charge so much for some of the, the energy, but they left, they didn't put in the fact that they could charge whatever they want on daily standing charges. Um, they didn't put anything in with regards to an uplift on the unit rates. They just put it down to a KVA charge, which is the capacity. Um, they've done exactly the same with the new, uh, the 21 pence wholesale subsidy that, that they're saying we're capping it at 21 pence. By the way, at the moment, the market rate today is something like 12 and a half pence. So at the moment, it's it's the suppliers uh, overheads, the renewable renewable obligations, the transportation charges and supplier profits that make up the, the rest of that of that number. But again, they've gone in and said, we'll protect the wholesale rate, but they're not saying anything about they can't increase the standing charges or the others. So one way or another, consumers always going to lose out against an energy supplier. For me, it's you've got to look when, when the time's right. Please, please, please do not wait until your renewal period. That's It's like your home insurance or your car insurance. If you shop around in that last month, the suppliers know you're due. You've only got 30 days to renew. Therefore, you pay a bit more of a premium. Energy is a commodity. It literally changes throughout the day. It's a trading commodity. So you need to... Ask your brokers, ask your consultants, when is the right time to buy? That's the only way you can start protecting your business. Um, Waste is a conversation that's come up recently because of the changes in 2024. So all of these things, we provide five services to the HTA. The HTA provide a lot of services to their members. We're on board because we're trusted partners. We've gone through due diligence to take the advice Advice is free. You don't have to take the advice, just listen to it and make an educated decision at the end. So that's all I would I would say is 
don't rest on your laurels and please don't wait until the end of your contract to start negotiating. So what you're saying, Mark, is that to get through this, to get the best deals you possibly can, you need to put that outlay of energy in the first instance in your research, in making sure you've got all the information ahead of time before you have to do it. And that should hopefully get you a better deal moving forward. Uh, the renewable side, absolutely. If, you, if you've got the appetite and you want to reduce your costs, that's a surefire way. And it's a long-term uh, gain. Um, EV chargers, it can increase the footfall because you go on the, the EV charging map. So anyone that's touring or locals, they need a quick hit. They can then go to the restaurant, um, grab a cup of coffee, do a little bit of shopping for the 45 minutes while their car's being charged. And you can get the install pretty much paid for free on government, government funding. And you can charge what rate you want. So if you're paying 50 pence for you, your energy, you could charge two pounds. It's just like the pay at the pump for your, for your petrol. You put your card in, it charges you at the end. It's going to be 10 to 20 quid at the most, unlike the 100 quid to fill mine or 110 to fill mine up. So it, it's looking ahead at where you can either, increase, as Guy says, increase footfall or reduce your costs. A lot of the conversations that I, I have with members is, we're trying to get people through the door to sell them uh, food and coffee to get them into the restaurants. But with the price of the energy going up, how much do we put the prices up bef before it becomes a, oh no, we'll make a cup of coffee before we leave the house. It's a difficult, difficult time for businesses. Totally appreciate that. But just try and review your contracts earlier rather than later. Thank you, Mark. Rant over. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we want to touch on waste briefly while we're here? Well, Neil Cummins and I uh, discussed when we were talking about the partnership, because initially we were looking at energy, but because we, we, are, we actually offer 14 different services, but five through the HTA. And waste was one, because um, I'll be honest, when my grandmother passed, bless her, she was a keen gardener. Um, likewise, I did the mowing um, and the raking. So she was a keen gardener. And when she passed, I went into the two greenhouses she had. And I swear there must have been a thousand plastic pots in there. She was a collector of different pots. And, and that, that apparently is a problem um, with them being returned. I didn't even think you could return them. I've never thought of that. They just went down to the tip. Um, so Neil mentioned that along with the black plastic that wraps around the, the pallets, etc. So that's why we got involved in, in waste. But again, it's not just about emptying the bins, it's about specialist waste and everything else. Again, it's not going to be a huge saving against your business, but anything's better in your pocket than the suppliers. We bought a uh, food waste composter just over a year ago now. So all our food waste goes through that, turns it into compost in about three weeks. So there's quite a saving there on our food waste removal. And over the last five years, I suppose, we have really stepped up our recycling initiatives so we now have um many many different bins in our staff room we've got about 10 different bins for all the different items you, you need a bit of a at least a grade three degree to know where to put your crisp packet <laughs> um, they don't let me go anywhere near it i have to have an assistant to throw my um, but um, we are finding, you know, lots of different things can be recycled. It's not easy to find some of these people, but um, it is a real feel-good factor, particularly to know a lot of it's been recycled. And we have uh, reduced the number of 
uh, skips we have by 50%. So um, I think, again, it's, it's hard work and you've got to put some effort in, but it is very rewarding when you do it. Certainly, I would say to your members, if you're not currently gaining any rebates for any uh, reusables or recyclables, that's an area that could give you a small income coming back. Again, it just depends how big. Some waste companies will give you a, a, a um, cardboard compactor. They'll put it as a part of the contract because you're generating enough to compact it to then sell it back to them. Um, or if you put it in an area and, and bind it, they'll take it away, weigh it, and they'll pay you for it. So it's another way of generating a little bit of income. So do we think actually on a positive note that although it's going to be difficult and it's a little bit uncertain at the fact that we're going through this cost of living, cost of business crisis actually may force us to take that step into looking more sustainably, doing more recycling, working more efficiently a little bit sooner. We're all working towards it, hopefully anyway, or trying to get there becoming more sustainable this may force our hand a little bit more and it may make us that more efficient and more sustainable sooner yeah well i definitely agree with that i think um this is going to push people into getting on with that solar panel project um looking again at the wind turbines sorting the waste out you know reducing all costs so i do think as an industry we will come out of this um in a better shape Well, thank you everyone for being part of that fantastic podcast today. I hope everyone listening can take something away from that. I know I certainly can. Um, And as ever, we are always here to answer your questions afterwards. You just need to get in touch. This has been episode 10 of Hawk Talk, an HGA podcast on the cost of doing business. Thank you so much to my special guests. Take care, everyone. Stay safe.